and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Ployer and I'm the host of this weekly broadcast as well as the founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool. And Sped Homeschool sponsors this broadcast to happen every week. It's um, just our public outreach to families either homeschooling, considering homeschooling, or maybe adding some extra home education things um, to the mix um, within their home, um, in addition to using other um, educational alternatives. And we know that um, homeschooling a struggling learner is difficult. Um, Not only difficult for the child, but difficult for the parent, because it's an unknown. We can't just take a lot of things that... um, Typical homeschoolers, homeschooling neurotypical children can, and that's why we exist. We want to be here to help you, and I see we have some viewers popping on. I'm super excited to have you joining us today. Unfortunately, my guest is not here. Um, I do have a plan, <laughs> um, so hold on, and um, and yes, we, we may switch tracks and not talk about road schooling today, but something completely different. But I promise you want to stick around to, to see what, what we're going to talk about. Um, and so, yes, we have um, Karasu the Dreamer is already on um, on YouTube watching. Nice to see you back. Um, and it looks like we have quite a few other viewers as well. Just know that if you are watching on the YouTube channel, yes, you can comment. I will see your comments. I'd be happy to engage with you. That's why I go live. Um, we want you to be part of this conversation. It's not just a conversation between me and a guest, but it's a between me, you, my guest, everybody. Um, and, and what's going on out there? Um, so, yeah, we could do a Q&A. Well, I've got something even better. There's a talk that's pretty popular that I do, and I have to record it today anyways. So um, I was thinking I'd give it to you guys for free and and put it on the channel. And then you can ask questions as I go along. I'm really comfortable with this talk. I've done it many, many times, and it, it's really fun. Um, it'll kind of get you thinking outside the box, too. So I think that's where we're going to head today if my guest doesn't show up. And so, so you'll want to stick around. Um, if you are watching on the Facebook page, also you can comment. I will see your comments and um, we'll include you in the conversation as well. And so so just know that um, we definitely want you to know that you are seen and recognized. And I know I've been to a couple homeschool conferences already, headed to another one tomorrow. And um, just love to have those conversations with you guys when you stop off at the booth and say, I pop you in my ear. I listen to this broadcast while I'm doing the dishes or um, cleaning up around the house. And I'm, I'm so glad that I can join you for those things and encourage you that um, there's so many things out there to learn and to grow in. And and um, and yes, okay. So, Karasu, you want to know what advice do you have for homeschool parents who are autistic them, autistic themselves? Because yes, I am on the spectrum. Um, that is a great question. And so, here is what I'm going to tell you: is that you're not going to be perfect. Um, that perfectionism streak that we have um, is something that we have to slowly just be okay with. But the way that I found to be okay with it is that I got more creative. And as I became more creative in my homeschooling, 
I was less able to compare myself to others because it was so different. And so that comparison issue started to go away. And I started to enjoy this freedom that I had to homeschool all of a sudden because I wasn't trying to be perfect anymore. I was just trying to be me, which was completely different than most homeschooling parents. And, um, and so that's really a lot what this talk that I'm going to share with you today um, is about. So I'm going to get started and please do make comments or questions as we're going along because, um, like I said, I've done this talk many times and I'm going to take that header off of here on the video and just know that I have slides to go with this talk. So if you're listening on the podcast and you're kind of going, well, what is she talking about? Um, most of the images on here are just helpful for engaging my audience, keeping their attention. And usually if it's after a meal, keeping them awake. So um, I try to be as engaging as possible, but sometimes I, I can't keep up with that um, that tiredness that comes after you've, you've eaten lunch. <laughs> and I know we're at the lunch hour right now. So anyways, we're going to talk about customizing curriculum for your unique learner. And I see some of my slides have not loaded into this program exactly as they normally are, but but we're just going to go with it. Um, also, there is a handout for this talk. If you go to our website at spedhomeschool.com and you click on Get Homeschool Help, that'll take you into the parent section instead of just what we do as a nonprofit. And yes, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. And so if you want to donate to Sped Homeschool, please do. Um, we do everything. Um, I pay my team. I have not been paid since we started five years ago. Um, I do this out of the love I have for you to encourage you. Um, someday my board hopes that this position will be paid. And I do too, because I won't be around forever, um, even though I'm pretty healthy and, and doing well right now. Um, there, there will be a time. Um, so anyways, just to encourage you to support our nonprofit efforts as well with your donation. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, but if you click in to get homeschool help into the parent section and then down that page, there'll be a link that says free downloads. That page is full of stuff, including all the handouts for my talks. And so on there, you'll see customizing your curriculum. Mostly it just has some quotes that I'm going to share with you as encouragement. Um, there's, there's places for you to write things too. But um, if you want that handout, just know that you can get it there. Um, just a little bit of my story. If you don't know who I am and um, some of the backstory, um, I have three kids. And I just graduated my youngest. I've been homeschooling for 19 years. And um, my homeschooling journey started when my oldest, the one in the picture in front of the Coliseum there with uh, the black hat and the glasses, the one with just the black hat is my husband in the back. Um, but he was diagnosed at age five on the spectrum. And that started our homeschooling journey. And of course, then my other two just, well, my second came along. My third wasn't even born when we started homeschooling. But um, she, when she, the week she turned three, she said, where are my books? And that started her process. Um, but my involvement in special education homeschooling goes beyond my immediate family and goes into my parents and siblings because I am not only a parent of children who struggle in educational topics, but also I am the sibling, the oldest of 14, 10 who are adopted, all with special needs. And so um, that has fueled my desire to continue helping um, 
parents and in in homeschooling and so you can see pictures of two of my brothers there as well as my parents um, and they just finished up their homeschooling years this year as well um, they're just tired <laughs> and and rightfully so um, approaching their 80s and um, and looking into some other educational alternatives um, for my siblings who are still in school so that's just a little bit about our family um, how is that box fitting your child? This is a question I ask parents because oftentimes we don't think about this. We don't think that when we buy a curriculum, we are actually, when we use it as is, we are asking our child to fit and mold themselves within the shape of the curriculum, this box. And sitting in a box can be fun for a while, but look at the positions of this child. Some of them are not so comfortable. Um, and just knowing that your child is going to need to be stretching more so than the typical learner all the time, it can be rather painful as well. If they are constantly working to get themselves in a place where the curriculum fits and um, works some some way possible for them. It's like me when I'm working on my splits. I'm still working on them. Um, getting closer, but there's there's certain things that just are in the way, I'm finding, and, and I just don't stretch like that. And there's some ways in your child's brain, neurologically, that will not make that, that, that extra stretch needed to use a typical curriculum. So think about that. But also, I want to encourage you that children that play when they learn, all of a sudden play causes a stretch. And so I'm going to talk to you about some ways that you can make curriculum more playful, more engaging, and, and just easier for your student so that when you use it, it will actually work. And that's what I've done with my own kids. So we're gonna go on to the next slide. Um, so we're gonna learn to teach beyond the box. And um, I just wanna encourage you, as a homeschooler, you have this freedom. You are not regulated to teach everything that is in a specific set of curriculum, unless you are running, you're using a state um, program to homeschool your child that typically is not considered homeschooling, it's the public school in your home, that is not the type of schooling I'm talking about. That you can't change because you have to report to the public school what you're doing. Parent-led home education allows you to teach beyond the box. And I wanna really encourage you, if you've been using a public school program within your home and it's not working for your student, just know there are other alternatives for you to teach beyond the box. And so we are going to talk about that. And I'm also going to just remind you that schooling is not about the box. It's about your child. Do you see the child in this picture? That's who we should see first, not the box. So just remember that. Um, and curriculum is not your master. It may give you alternatives on what to do, but... It should not run your life. Curriculum in general is written for a, a child that the curriculum developer set as their ideal student, 
for their curriculum. Now that may be a special needs student, it may not be, but they still had in mind this student, which more than likely was not your child. <laughs> unless you wrote it yourself, um, which I see um, Karasu the Dreamer said, I'm hoping to create a complete um, curriculum um, designed to be easy for the neurodivergent parent to implement. And that's awesome. But again, you're creating that curriculum for a set child, because if you don't do that, your curriculum is going to be all over the place. A good curriculum developer actually does this, and I'm not bashing that. That's a good thing, but I want you to understand as a parent that more than likely your child was not the one that the curriculum was developed for. So you have to think of ways that are a little different sometimes than just following step-by-step step all the steps the curriculum provides you. Um, at one point, I had a mom call me. And she said, I have three older children. I've bought tons of curriculum. My house is full of it. And then I've got this child. <laughs> and she started describing to me all this curriculum she had tried with her child that didn't work. And she went from one set of curriculum to another set of curriculum. And I said, why don't you tell me about your son? And she told me about more curriculum and more curriculum. And I keep saying, can you tell me about your son? And eventually we came to this convergence where she was telling me what did work in each of these curriculums, little parts. And she got this aha moment. Oh, you mean I could use this from here and that from there and this from there. And then I could teach my son. And I said, that's exact it. It isn't that the curriculum's bad. It's just that sometimes your child can't stretch to the point that the curriculum can so that your child can learn. So, um, so just know that if you spend too much time looking at the curriculum and not looking at your child, that you need to step back and reevaluate what you're doing and focus first on learning more about your child because that is going to help you to better teach them in the way that it's easiest for them to learn. All right, so curriculums, okay, don't throw it away. <laughs> That's my other thing, unless you move. Um, I moved from Minnesota to Texas and unfortunately probably would have needed a whole nother moving van um, to move, so I did have to sell the majority of it. But just know that there are even ways to use things that maybe a neighbor gave you or, you know, the library was giving away free books and you grabbed some stuff and went, oh my goodness, there is no way I could use this to teach my child. Well, there maybe is, so don't throw that away either because I have some ideas for you. Okay, let's keep moving on. All right, but where do you go from here? Well, you got to get creative. And let me tell you, I was not a very creative person when I first started homeschooling. Like Karasu said, you know, being on the spectrum, I had this perfect ideal in my mind and I wanted to be this perfect homeschool parent. The problem was, is I would have dug myself into another state of depression had I done that. I needed to be out of that state and moving somewhere better. And what I found as I I looked at curriculum, looked at my child, was that we had to do things differently and not even look at what anybody else was doing because that was where we were going to be successful. And so I had to learn how to not be the engineer physicist that I was trained to be, but to be a creative, fun-loving mom who got on the floor and played with her kids um, because that is what 
got through to my kids and taught them in ways that they could learn and connected us as well, which is great. So what about all those textbooks that are filled with great information? Hmm. Don't throw them away. <laughs> what I found a lot of times, and I'm sorry, the slides are really crazy here, um, was that I would pre-read through them. A lot of textbooks and and books that are written maybe in some, you know, early old English <laughs> even have some really good facts in them. I wouldn't read them verbatim to my children because they would be not in, written in a language my child children would understand. They would get the glossy eyes and they would fall asleep or be jumping on the couch and a whole bunch of other things. Um, and so I just said, okay, I'm going to read through this ahead of time and, and we'll just see what information in here is useful. And then whatever I've highlighted, I will discuss with my kids in a language we normally talk with at home. And as we relay that information, have questions that I ask them, have them ask me questions. And we just enjoy the conversation about the facts that this resource had. Not that I'm going to read the resource, um, but it was there with some good information in it. So what I call this is pre-reading, highlighting, and relaying. And it's something you can do with just about anything that's maybe too dry, um, maybe too high level for your child to understand, but again, has some good information in it. And um, you can bring it to their level very easily by just having that normal conversation you would with your child. You could even take it on a walk if you, you wanted to and discuss discuss it. Um, so, so don't be confined to when I use a textbook, I have to read it word for word. No, you don't. You can use it for what it's useful for. And maybe it's just useful for some facts here and there. And that's it. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about what works best for your student and family, because sometimes we're going to have a plan A and plan A is not going to work. And then we may have plan B <laughs> and plan B may not work out either. So how do we handle this? Um, well, first of all, just know that when you use a curriculum or when you've decided on a unit study or when you pick and chose a couple activities that you're going to do that um, you may want to choose more than you can do and then list them in order of importance of doing them. Um, and, and of course, you know, those, sometimes those reading, writing, math, those, those things fit in there too. Um, and, and a whole bunch of other things, but also don't over schedule your day and thinking I have to get all of this done because what you end up doing is you end up not leaving room for unschooling or student-directed learning, which when kids are young, we don't really consider the value of, but as they get older, and if you've used this technique with your, your children, you'll find that they are better at teaching themselves or going out and exploring and finding out more information um, about a topic. A lot of times I would, we would be studying something and I'd have one of my children say, oh, I want to know more about that. 
good. Take off. Go find out more about that, um, either on this website that is child safe, um, or we're going to go to the library. I want you to look up all the information you can find on that, um, and then give us a report, um, either at dinner tonight, if it was something small, or maybe by dinner on Friday night when we have our, our big um, family sharing time. Um, we always made dinner uh, debrief time in, in our house, because that's when my husband was there too, and then my kids could teach him what they had learned, and they were always so excited to do that. Um, so... So just know that if a curriculum suggests 20 things, you don't have to do them all. Prioritize. Pick what you want to do. Um, if I always knew that if I picked sing a song, I'd have a mutiny on my hands, so I never chose singing as part of our curriculum. My kids hated it. Um, but maybe out of that curriculum, your family would choose it because you love to sing. Um, and so just know that you can prioritize however your family is is you know, that what you love to do together, um, what your students, children love to do. There's so many different options and there is no one right way. You're going to learn through all these venues. And in some days you just may not feel like doing some things. And some days you may have lots of energy and maybe the more active activities, um, are going to get higher on the list because we got to get some energy out. Um, so, so just, Keep calm, pretend it's on the lesson plan, <laughs> and go for it. Um, because those are the instances where your children are going to learn the most, is that when you um, kind of go outside the box um, in, in schooling. So um, this is a good question that just came up, Karasu. You asked about um, any advice on combining different homeschool methodologies and philosophies. I totally am into that um, because I didn't follow one. And um, I, I started out with one, and I, I want to encourage you, at, if you're a new homeschooler, to kind of stick with one methodology at first until you feel like you've got your feet wet and, and you're, you're comfortable in that place. Um, I did a little experiment with my kids. So here's what I did is I had no idea what was going to work with our family. So we did a little experiment. Being the physicist I am, um, I had some controlled areas of this experiment. We were going to study the, um, the seafaring, you know, pirates, um, exploring um, that time period of history. Um, but I was going to try a traditional um, education approach, which was mostly textbooks, coloring pages, those types of things. Um, and then the more literature-based approach and the unit study approach. Now consider this, I'm old, the Charlotte Mason method, the Waldorf method, Montessori, all of that was so new that it wasn't even in the homeschool realm at that point. Um, you have so many more options. So you might want to make this an extra long experiment for you, <laughs> but mine included three days. Um, so sticking with that same time period, I decided, okay, let's do the traditional approach. My kids were bored out of their minds. Um, they did not understand anything I read out of a textbook. They did not want to color coloring sheets that I gave them because they don't do coloring sheets. Um, and so that day was a complete failure, but it was an experiment. Okay, we know what doesn't work there. So then we tried the literature-based approach. I had gone to the library, got some really good books and thought, okay, we can have snuggle time on the couch. This is gonna be awesome. And hmm, 
my kids were bouncing on the couch and it was not the picture perfect, you know, we are all one big happy family enjoying literature together um, at all. <laughs> and so I scratched that one too. And I was like, okay, the unit studies have to work because this is my only resort. Um, and so we got had a book on how to tie different knots and knots that sailors would use. And so my kids were working on knots that morning. And um, then I said, okay, well, this was the time of the pirates. And we learned a little bit about pirates. And then I said, you can tie me up, gave them each 20 feet of rope, as long as you use the right knots. They were all over that. Um, and really, I knew from then that that was the approach that my kids needed. For me, it was what I needed. I am the type that when I look at a recipe, I look at the ingredients and I go, oh, okay. I don't read the instructions at all. Um, that, that doesn't always make things don't always work out well when I do that, but that's my nature. So unit studies were a really good fit for me as well as my children. And um, so I just want to encourage you in that as well, that there are, there's so many options out there. Eventually what you're going to find, especially when you have a learner who struggles, is that you're going to become more eclectic in your approach and combining all of those methodologies, just because there's going to be some parts of it that work better and are more to the bent of your child. Like I was talking about at the beginning, that flexibility um, issue. So, so don't be afraid to, to mix and match and, and do different things, especially as you become more comfortable with homeschooling and understanding how your kids learn. Um, that's a process in itself. It's an education that you take on as a parent. Um, bring content to life. So how do you do this? Well, videos are great. YouTube, watch the channels before you just sit your kids down in front of them. Um, living books were a game changer um, with my kids. Um, they didn't always sit still, like I talked about with the literature-based approach, but I found that when they were eating, they were good listeners because they were a captive audience. So I often did our read out louds during lunch, and then I just ate later during their free time. Um, we did a lot of experiments, a lot of field trips, found that our national historic or our state historical society was an incredible value for the money because it gave us access to all of these different sites all over our state. And I would call ahead of time, being the parent of kids on the spectrum, and say, when are the groups coming? And when are days when you don't have groups coming? Because that's the day we're coming. <laughs> and um, they were always so good to, to let me know when um, school groups or other groups were, were um, planning on coming to their sites. Christmas was amazing. All of these historical houses were decorated at, for the time period or um, within the, the custom of the um, heritage that was represented in the house. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's just so much out there. Um, and experiments, I know they're messy. Um, they eventually do go out of your kitchen and, um, but your kids will remember these things. There was one thing that I did with my kids and I, I want to tell you this story because it's, it really tells you the value of investing ahead of time in planning out something in how it cuts down in the amount of time you actually have to teach. So we are going to teach my kids about communism and that is a very complicated topic um, to really grasp. 
And so what we did, um, and this was a suggestion from the unit study I was using. Um, I'm not always this creative. <laughs> and they said, well, have a communist lunch. And so I bought all of these amazing foods with the typical foods that we would have for lunch. And I put out a smorgasbord, told my kids they could put whatever they wanted on their plates. And then we'd sit down. We were going to say prayers. And then um, as we sat down and finished our prayers, I said, I am Mother Russia. Give me your plates. And I took most of the things off of their plates and gave them back very little. And my kids started to cry. Um, they hold me to this day <laughs> to this and they are, um, 25, 23 and 17, <laughs> um, that this was the most horrible lunch they've ever had. Um, but I can tell you one thing, they have never forgot what communism is and, and what really a sacrifice it is, um, to the government, um, for, the work that you do. Um, so, so my kids got that. That was so quick to get a concept that usually goes way over and above kids' heads at their age. So, so just know that bringing content to life has an incredible value in making long-term impressions um, with, with various concepts um, and, and also in just connecting with your kids and, um, helping them to deeply embed information. Um, like I said, singing is a great thing. Teaching your kids to debate eh, that can go against you too, because they can become really good at arguing with you. Um, acting out things. So if a child just seems like, I don't understand this, well, let's get up, let's act it out. Let's see what, what it would feel like to be this person or in this scenario. Um, I got a lot of aha moments with one of my kids who was very hands-on and needed to move his body in order um, to, to engage with the topic. Um, building, building structures, um, journaling, arts and crafts, of course, and then creative writing, poetry. Poetry can, you have to really concentrate those words and some kids just are really drawn to that but don't limit it when you first start because you just do not know what's going to just connect with your kids try it out if it doesn't work well again it was an experiment move on um and and try something new and instead of trying to beat yourself up well this didn't work um and again this isn't going to cost you much money because you're just trying out little things here and there you're not investing in a whole new curriculum every time you try something so just bring that content to life um we as we were talking about youtube channels um karasu was talking about one that explains different genres of literature with lego mini figures and she said it's called molding minds so um that's awesome thanks for sharing that resource with us so let's move on and let's talk about adding color pictures stories and technology um this is not recommended uh, on the HGTV channel. I will tell you this ahead of time, <laughs> but it is something that is so invaluable in your school. So when we would be studying a specific topic, I would 
get posters or pictures or my kids would draw things and we put them on the wall. We'd have our alphabet on the wall. We'd have our scripture memory verse. Um, I painted blackboards in some of our houses. Um, we've lived in multiple places. I was kind of excited to talk about road schooling today. Unfortunately, with that not happening, um, but we have homeschooled in our RV twice. And so there, there's been some ways that um, we've had to tweak and change things. But when I've had the wall space, I have made huge sections of wall space for putting learning items up. Now, that is helpful when we're schooling, but it is also helpful whenever a child walks through that room, do you know what they're doing? They're looking. They're looking at that wall and it's re-engaging their mind to remember what lessons you did, um, topics you discussed, all of that comes flooding back and they're creating new neural nets as they're walking, which adds activity and actually deeper engages that into their, um, their thinking processes. So the more you add to the walls, <laughs> the more you continue teaching when you're not teaching <laughs> and your kids see that. So that's why timelines are so effective, um, why posters are incredible, chalkboards, whiteboards, um, adding your student art up there. Just consider even like magazines. And um, I love the Charlotte Mason methodologies of, you know, engaging with good artwork because you can have a full discussion over one piece of art and maybe it's just something that you found in an old book and you stuck it up on the wall this is the art we're going to talk about um, this week or the artist or anything just know that whatever you put on the wall has a much greater impact than just the lesson where you pointed to it because again your children are in that room more than just when they do school hopefully um most families do not school in a school room. Um, they school in a general area of their house. Mine happened to either be in my kitchen or dining room. And so those were rooms we were in constantly. And my kids were always looking at what was on the walls. Okay, on to the next thing. Incorporate graph charts and graphic organizers. These things are everywhere and they're free. Um, this one that I have on this slide was something free I found on the internet. For kids who have executive functioning issues, this is a game changer. Use these resources. Teach your children how to use these resources. These are going to be helpful for them when they get older. They're going to know that these things exist, how to access them. My daughter even ended up finding an app that worked for her that helped her graphically organize her thoughts because she was working on a project and she just couldn't keep track of everything. And I said, why don't you figure out an app that works for you? So she went through quite a few of them, downloaded them, tried them, and then erased them and then tried new ones. As an older student, that's good. But as if you have younger students, use the paper ones. Use ones they can interact with so that they get used to what these things are for and how to use them and do them with them at first. Don't just hand it to them and say, okay, just do it. No, that I want you to use the neurodevelopmental approach of... I do, I do, I do. Watch me as I do this, and then you do. Um, three times parent doing the activity while the child watches, and one time the child doing it, and then back again. This is how we teach. We don't teach by just telling our child to do something. We teach by showing and giving examples. So um, 
So just incorporate these types of things throughout your homeschooling. It's going to give your um, your student the ability to take notes better, to organize their thoughts better, to write papers better, um, to give presentations better. All of this just organization mentally that um, we often um, have a really difficult time with in our society. So um, also, I just want to put in a caveat here about tests. Tests gauge uh, progress in specific areas, but they don't always show everything that our child knows about a topic, specifically when we have a struggling student, when anxiety gets in the way, when you have a child on the spectrum who um, who maybe will read into a question way too much and get the wrong answer. Um, my daughter does that a lot. And so when we ended up, she ended up doing some high school courses online, they were self-paced. And so I was the one grading them anyways. And, and she would not get a hundred percent on her quizzes, which of course mortified her because she knew the topic inside and out. Um, so just for her own sanity, I told her, okay, I'm going to base your grade on you taking the test, not on your test score. But I want after you take the test for us to have a discussion about why you chose this specific answer. And then let's discuss it. Because a lot of times kids need to learn to take tests and tests are important. But it again, doesn't always show what they know. And so don't just feel like, oh, this curriculum has a test, so we've got to use it to gauge learning. No, you do not. Um, just use them wisely for what you specifically think your student needs. And then don't use them if you don't think that you need them. So, so that's um, just hopefully some helpful information. Um, yeah, Karasu, that, that's a great point when you make about um, animated movies and TV shows um, being good art. And I, I know having a daughter who's an artist um, who is looking for her venue to be able to, to continue doing her art now that she's graduated, um, it, there are specific areas that um, there's amazing artwork in. There's some that are not, too. I agree. Um, she's actually looking into the tattoo field as a way to make money um, and perpetuate her art. There, there's, there are some, some incredible canvases that aren't canvases that um, artists use these days. And um, it doesn't make them any better or worse than art in the past that was only put on a canvas um, or in a, a sculpture. So, um, so yes, think beyond the box, even in that area. That's a great creative suggestion. Okay, next I'm going to talk about pushing forward, but not too hard. So the reason I talk about this is because we can have students who are twice exceptional. And they can do so, so good in some areas and so, so bad in others. And how do we balance that? Well, I have three 2E learners. Um, so that's six times the problem. <laughs> but what I have learned is that in the areas that my children excel, I give loving pushes constantly to keep them moving in the direction of still making them strive for that next level 
but again, not to the point where they're so burnt out that they stop. And so this is this is an example, um, and and also not push them so hard in other areas where they are struggling that they again shut down either. That so my oldest has had a struggle learning to read. Um, we lived in a state where we had to do testing every year, and at age 11, he was still a non-reader. Not that we weren't doing reading lessons every day, and I was encouraging him with, with audiobooks, and, and because my main goal was to have him love literature, not that he would be reading on grain level at a certain age. Um, I figured eventually it would come. He was smart, but we just hadn't made those connections yet. And so I trusted in that because we were doing things uniquely. I wasn't comparing myself to anybody else. Although sometimes I did think, is this child ever going to learn to read? Um, but he excelled in mathematics to the point that when he was a, a sophomore or a junior, junior in high school, he did calculus because that was the next class. Even though he told me, I just want to be a welder mom. And I thought, well, that's nice. You'll be a welder who has calculus. Um, but it was something he was good at. And he actually did enjoy doing calculus with me. And so that was fun. Um, in fifth grade, he and we ended up doing a mechanical engineering course because he was so engaged in building things. But this reading thing, what to do? Well, I continue to feed him audiobooks. He loved stories, especially the Narnia series. I think he wore those CDs out. Um, but lo and behold, the next year when he turned 12, we tested again. And really within the reading program, I was seeing changes, but I wasn't quite sure how much changes. And he was starting to read things. But he actually tested reading at a college comprehension level the next year and being from being a non-reader the previous year. Now, how do you make that kind of jump? Well, you have a very intelligent child who just didn't have the connections in place to get the reading down. And he wasn't so frustrated to the point that he shut down and stopped learning altogether. And so that's what I mean about pushing forward, but not too hard. You've got to do school at your child's pace and in a way that they understand. Um, so where do you go from here? Well, I'm going to give you three examples because I have three very different learners um, as we wrap up. But I want you to start by dreaming big for your children. Understand that they sometimes can't even see the potential that they have, even after they become adults unfortunately. Um, but continue dreaming for them and praying for them because um, you believing in them is what's going to help them eventually get to that place. So my first child, very hands-on, wanted to build everything. Um, so of course, unit studies were an incredibly good fit for him because they required a lot of construction projects. And so whenever a project came up that included some sort of building, I gave it to him because he was the one who wanted to make it. If a fort was required, if something was required to be made out of boxes, if we had to pull some stuff together from the garage and create something outside, 
he was my go-to for, for those types of things. And like I said, we did a structural engineering course when he was in fifth grade. Um, we re- actually recreated all a bunch of historical bridges using a connect set that was made for teaching structural engineering. Um, and he took welding in high school because we had a reciprocal program with our, our high school um, in Minnesota, now living in Texas, that doesn't exist. Um, so just know that if you're in a state that has that reciprocal program, you can use those shop classes, um, those types of things, just very, very hands-on. Um, so then he actually went to welding school his senior year of high school and and then came back and said, yeah, yeah, I, I don't really think I want to be a welder. And um, so he went on to um, get a degree in biomedical engineering and now he is designing like pieces for people's jaws and and skulls um and they 3d print them surgeons order them and they get shipped all over the world um and so that's what he does and i am not shocked at all because that was how he learned and what he loved from day one and so so that just makes sense um then we have my dreamer my my middle child very very creative um loved having costumes on acting things out telling jokes he had a speech issue but he loved to talk and so the way i kind of got around that is um well this was before we had like ways to record ourselves on little chips we had cassette tapes um so I had a book of 101 elephant jokes. I recorded every single one of them with perfect timing to, for the punchlines. And he would listen to this book over and over again as he was going to sleep. And then when we would go out in public, he would tell elephant jokes. And I even asked my mom when I was visiting her last week, I said, do you remember the elephant jokes um, that Tim used to, to tell? And she's like, oh, yes, <laughs> we all remember the elephant jokes. Um, but... He eventually got over his fear of speaking, his speech issues cleared up, and um, and by high school, he was on the speech and debate team. And so he did a lot of martial arts, like physical things. Um, He's the one who started this broadcast. Um, He just has an incredible creativity in him that um, unfortunately is is not realized by a lot of people Um, but he will find that place and again like I said you just keep praying for those kids Um, and and they will find their way a lot of times dreamers are the the hardest to understand and employ Um, but they are incredible kids all the same and then I've got my creative one Um, She started sewing at age six. Um, She took classes, art classes from a famous artist. Um, For one of her writing curriculums for one year, we used um, Clearwater Press's uh, program that has you write a magazine. And it's great because it's all different sort of short literature writing, but also she got to do the artwork to go with it. And so when she did the restaurant review, she drew the food that that she ate. When she wrote the short story, she drew the characters for those, that short story and some pictures that went throughout that. Um, when she wrote a poem, she wrote uh, a picture that went with the poem. And then at the end of the year, we actually published it. And with just one of those those publishing tools that you can make a, a book with with different images in it and it's kind of fun there, there's four copies that exist but um but it's it's a was a really cool way to commemorate the end of the year and to highlight her artwork along with her writing assignments 
um, we encouraged her to sell art at art walks and, um, she she's just done a variety of things um, to enter contests with her art. She actually won a shoe design contest and some of her shoes that she designed are now being produced and sold in Europe. And and so there's just the possibilities are endless. And as I'm talking about these things, they started out really slow when my kids were young because we would just try things, you know, the sewing thing. She started at age six and by about age 10, the sewing machine went away and it didn't come back out till she was 16. And then she started designing all of her own clothes. Um, but she knew she had skill. And so just trying these things out and exposing your children to all of these things was what was most important. In the high school years, that's when it becomes most fun because then they kind of have this idea of, of what, what capabilities do I have? What can I dive deeper into? What, what might be a career path that I would enjoy um, based on all these things that I enjoy learning about? So you're, you're just exploring with them and learning. And just know, especially as we have kids that are, are going to be graduating and moving into um, a world where statistically it's said now that they will change careers seven times in their lifetime. That is not jobs. That is careers. You need to teach your children what they are good at because if they don't know, if they don't know what resonates with them, what drives them, what they, um, they want to know about, what they want to learn about, what they're passionate about, a job is not going to last very long. They have to know what drives them in order to keep succeeding because jobs will change, careers will change, and, and they need to be able to keep up with it. Um, and as homeschool parents, we can prepare them for that by being creative. Um, I know this is maybe a little bit of an overload, <laughs> but I want you to know this has been 19 years of homeschooling that I've encapsulated in with these ideas. Um, I did not start out this way. I just started out by doing one thing here or there, and then eventually it grew into more. Just like St. Francis of Assisi says, if this all seems daunting, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. You know, it's true. Had I seen 19 years ago that I would do all this, I probably would have cowered in a corner saying, no, I can't do that. I, I need things written out for me. I, you know, I need all this. I just want to encourage you step by step. You can change and it's for the betterment of your kids, but it's also for the betterment of you. I am a completely different person than when I started homeschooling. Um, and that's a good thing because we all need to change and we all need to grow. Otherwise we get stagnant and atrophied and to where we're at. And that's not good for anybody. So um, just to encourage you, change one little thing, try something new. Um, and if it doesn't work, it's a lesson learned, right? So, um, and I always end my talks talking about sped homeschool. I, I know you guys are regulars. Um, if you've listened to this show, maybe you're not. Um, but Empowering Homeschool Conversations is our weekly broadcast. And it is a podcast also that comes out on Sundays from our conversations here on Tuesdays. Um, and also we have the top ranking blog um, that 
is um, on our website. So you want to check that out. We, we're focusing on the topic this month of, of homeschooling out and about. And, and so I just encourage you to check out those blogs written by our amazing partners. And our partners are curriculum companies, therapists, consultants that partner with our nonprofit. And they support our work. So they, they give us funds to be able to do what we do. So I encourage you to check out their resources. Um, they believe in our mission. They believe in you. They are willing to, to take a phone call from you, to talk to you, to help you to use their curriculum and or their, their consulting services or their tutoring help um, so that it's beneficial for your, your school and, um, and your student. And just know that if you want to write your own homeschool IP, we have a template and guide on our website. And if you're starting high school, I really want to encourage you to check out our Homeschooling Your Struggling Learner Through High School Masterclass. This class was written by um, quite a few different individuals that poured a lot of time and energy into this. There's videos in there. There's handouts. There's, I think, hundreds of links to free resources that are helpful in homeschooling through high school from the beginning all the way through the end. And, and so, yes, um, care suit. It's also, it's all so much to take in. I agree. Um, you'll have to rewatch the video or listen to the podcast. Um, and I just thank you for hanging on with me through this, um, process and creative minds homeschooling popped on saying, I'm very much a workbook teacher. How do I move more to what you are explaining. Well, so one thing I did in a workbook with my my middle child was I found out that sometimes the workbooks wouldn't speak to him because they would use examples from things he had no experiential knowledge of. And but yet he had a great experiential knowledge of superheroes. So a lot of times I would replace different things like um, word problems and math with a superhero, we would get the superheroes out acting what was in the workbook. And this child would get math problems faster than his brother who was gifted in math because all of a sudden it became relational. And so, um, so bringing that workbook to life might be a, a really good thing to do and use objects that your students relate to on a daily basis and love. They're going to realize that you are entering their world versus you wanting to always pull them out of their world and into yours. And, and that is a powerful concept in education. If you can bridge that gap and step into their world and bring teaching into that, and that's really what this creativity piece is really all about. It's about showing kids that they can learn in their own environment, that there are things all around them, the way they manipulate, the different um, objects that they like to play with, the, um, the things that they see and touch and do all have an experience to learn from. And, it's, and that's what being outside of the books um, and like I said, books aren't bad, but um, they give us concepts to, to teach, but we have to move beyond them because there's so much more out there than what is just in the book. So I hope that's, that's helpful to you and, um, and moving beyond those workbooks. So, um, oh, I also wanted to share with you that um, 
We have a summer camp coming up in Minnesota. It's a family retreat that we're doing in partnership with the Minnesota Association of Christian Home Educators, as well as Johnny and Friends. And we are doing this in Stewartville, Minnesota in August. So if you need respite for your family for your um, some time away registrations only open for a couple more weeks for families um, we will be taking volunteers a lot longer than that um, but but just know that you can register um, again go to our website at spedhomeschool.com and click on get homeschool help and it's one of the top tabs on there and you'll read all about our family retreat that's coming up this summer and and so that's that's some pretty exciting exciting news and um yeah, I'm going to have to unfortunately close out because we're, we're nearing the end of our time. But I do have time for, for one or two more questions if you have any. But um, otherwise, I'm going to sign off. And thank you for joining me for this very impromptu <laughs> hour um, that I hadn't, well, I had planned on recording by myself. But um, it's been great having you guys as an audience to to join me for for this talk as well. And we'll, we'll make this come out on the podcast this um this Sunday too. So they won't skip a beat on, on that either. So, all right. Well, thank you everybody for joining me. Um, we're going to continue this conversation. I know my guest next week is going to show up because she's already prepared a download for you on how to homeschool on the beach. And, and so you won't want to miss that. She's actually living with her kids in France and her husband in France on Normandy Beach and wrote an entire download that you can use for learning lots of different things on the beach. And um, she was homeschooled herself. And so she, she just is excited to share with, with you. Um, and who doesn't want to go to the beach in the summer? So let's, um, let's make it all about learning. And we'll talk about that next week on our show. Karis, who had one more question. Any record-keeping advice for neurodivergent parents? Um, yes, employ some sort of technology that reminds you to do things or a very good friend because um, having paper doesn't always mean it's going to get there. <laughs> um, and so so those are um, some my helpful tips and what I found have worked. If I have other people that I'm sharing schooling with, we created a pod. Um, I had other people that I had to kind of report to, even though they were friends, but we shared things every week. And so um, that was my kind of way of, of staying on top of things. So, so anyways, um, so thanks all for joining me. I will see you again next week, same time, same place. And um, I look forward to seeing you all then and continuing the conversation. Have a great week, everybody, and God bless. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.